Welcome to Testers Island Discs, your most musical guide to the world of software testing. My name's Neil Studd, and I'll be your castaway companion. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Testers Island Discs. My name's Neil Studd, and today I'm joined by Alex Schladerbeck. Alex has been working for 12 years at Bradex in Germany, where she's currently the head of software quality and test consulting. She's a regular conference speaker talking about testing in agile teams and UI automation patterns, and is also involved on program committees. So she's on the committee for the forthcoming Eurostar 2017 and the Romanian testing conference in 2018. Alex is a mentor with the Speakeasy program, which is a program dedicated to helping new voices get heard in the world of technology. And on the day this episode goes out, Alex is giving a talk at Test Bash Munich titled Dear Future Me, a letter to myself about testing, the universe and everything. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely delighted. Very glad to have you as guest number one. I kind of pick guests fairly randomly, fairly willy-nilly, but to be honest, I looked at your list of songs and went, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. And I'm interested in not just playing those clips for our audience, but also in hearing your stories behind them. Cool. Was it a tough task for you to narrow yourself down to five songs? Were you agonising over the last few? I was. It, it was really difficult. I think that uh, we'll get to this, but music and lyrics are incredibly important for me. And so, so many songs have a lot of meaning for me. And, and getting them down to five was really, really tough. <laughs> well, feel free to name check some of the ones that missed out along the way as, as we go. Uh, I mentioned at the top that you've been working for Braidex for 12 years. That's that's a relatively long time these days. Quite often people are either contracting or jumping around between jobs. I'm someone who's never worked somewhere for more than sort of three, three and a half years. What is it about Bradex that you enjoy so much? I, I love it here. I mean, it's, I've, been, I've been here for 12 years, but it has always been different roles. That has started with me joining the company as a translator, uh, getting to where I am now. And I've always had new challenges. I've always been surrounded by awesome people. There's quite a lot of people in the company, actually, who've been here for a long time as well. And so my comparison is always that like it's like going to work with your friends, and most of them are my friends. So I get to do really cool things with really cool people. I get to grow and have new challenges. And now in my current role, I get to make sure that the next generation of testers within our company is having awesome chances and awesome projects as well. So I, it just it, it fits and it makes sense. And we're definitely going to talk a bit about newcomers to testing and how they find their way today and how that's changed since you began 12 years ago. A lot of people say they kind of fell into testing. It sounds like you were, you were more guided into testing. So what was the path for you from translator to tester? Uh, I, I would still say that I kind of fell into it. So um, mm -hmm. I did my degree in York in languages and linguistics, which meant that I did German and I did French. Those were my languages. And after I finished my degree, I came back to Germany. I'd already spent a semester here. And the idea was to get a job in a restaurant, just, just to have a, have a summer doing speaking German and, and spending time with people that I knew here. And it turned out that the job I applied for was to translate uh, software documentation, and that was at Braidex. And mm. on my first day, it turned out that there wasn't anything to translate so I was writing the documentation. I, re I remember my first week because the documentation was being written on a Unix system in Emacs in LaTeX. And for me, computers were just Windows. Like there was no separation of the hardware and the software. That was, <laughs> at that point, that is all that I've been used to. And it turned out that the software documentation I was writing was for a testing tool. Basically, what it turns out is that when you're writing documentation for the first time for a tool that doesn't have any tests, but what you're doing is testing, because I would be mm. saying, okay, today I'm going to document the delete feature. 
oh, the open feature stopped working, so I can't test it. <laughs> and then I would go to the developers and say, hey, I need a new build, or can you explain this? Can you show me this? And as you're probably gathering within the first three minutes of this podcast, it's hard to get me to stop talking. <laughs> and, and I keep talking and I keep asking questions. And that was, that was then the natural progression to moving more into testing, into test consulting, product ownership, and to now where I am. It, it's been a long progression. There's been some little bits along the side where I've done more marketing kind of things or where I've worked a little bit more directly as a tester or a test consultant. But that, that's been the progression. I would have never told anyone that that was how it could happen. But I, I do say I fell into it, but I say I fell very, very happily into it. It, it made sense. <laughs> yeah, my own experience is very similar. I, I joined a company straight out of university, kind of ended up in customer service, where I was taking phone calls from people complaining about the quality of the product. And it was those complaints and working out how to investigate those problems and work out why those problems were even happening in the first place kind of kind of drove me towards testing. And it's like like you said, I, I kind of happily fell into it. It was it was it was always going to happen. I think it, it, it was almost fated. Yeah, I like I like the fact there's a bit of there's a bit of serendipity in there. I've, I've done support work, too, actually. And that has uh, I find that a lot of people who come into testing, if they've done support work, then I know that they're they're likely to have the, a good perspective on what testing means and its value for customers. That's that's always a good sign for me. Yeah, there's definitely some overlap there. The skills you need to be a, a good support rep in terms of yeah, understanding what the steps are to reproduce a problem, for example, are absolutely key to testers as well. So we should move on to talk about your first song. And actually, we should probably explain what this podcast is for those who might have missed our introductory episode. So Alex is our first guest and... Like everyone, she's been asked to select five songs that she would take with her to a desert island if she found herself stranded. Uh, Alex, what was your first selection you came up with? My first selection is One Way by The Levelers. They were the first band I really ever got into. So when I was about 11 or 12, I met my best friend, who is still my best friend, shout out to Hannah. And she introduced me to The Levelers, and they're a folk rock group. I play violin, so I, I like and I play folk music. And that was just, it was eye-opening. That was when I really started to discover music. Uh, and, and, and music as a way of expressing myself and not just what was on at home. You know, really, these are the bands that I like. Uh, and One Way is just such a fantastic song because when I listened to it when I was 12, it's there's, there's some aspects of, about being anarchy and things in there, and, and I really liked that as a preteen person. And now when I listen to the lyrics, I think, yeah, you know, nobody can tell you which way that you're going to go, and sometimes I don't always go the way that people think I was going to go or even the way I thought I was going to go. So uh, it's it's good to have a song that reminds me of that and that I can react to differently depending on where I am in my own life. So that was The Levelers with One Way, which is kind of Alex's, I guess, manifesto song. A bit a bit like my first choice was Mama Cass's Make Your Own Kind of Music, because that was kind of my manifesto. It sounds like Alex has uh, gone down a similar route there. Yeah. So we talked about how you've been in the industry for over a decade now. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in, in testing in that time? What are testers asked to do today that was really not a part of their job when you started out? I think the tester role has changed, and I think it's changed in a good way. So I see, especially in agile teams, we're having to do a lot more sharing and collaborating and coaching and, and teaching because 
whole team quality means that it isn't just one person doing everything it's the whole team being involved and that can that can look differently depending on the team and it's that's an exciting role to be in because it means that you're getting involved with multiple different people at multiple different levels about risks about details talking to product owners talking to designers talking to developers about how how something can be made more testable and that's the other thing that has changed for me a great deal so I said in the introductory stuff, the documentation I was writing was for an automated testing tool. And in terms of test automation, look, it's fascinating to see how people's perspectives have changed. Back in the day when when we were writing these kind of things for the first time, if you said to a developer or a development team, you know, it'd be really nice if like you named components and which are if we're talking about UI automation. That would be that would be an absolute knockout never using this tool if it doesn't if it doesn't do that on its own in some kind of magic way then i'm not using it and and that has entirely changed that people are willing to invest time and effort in design for testability because they've seen what it can bring i have my similar example for that is continuous integration i remember the first time that we ever tried to get any kind of pipeline going for that i call it the summer of pain i still remember it it was horrible and now now it's something that you say to a team, do you know what, we should really do this, like from the beginning. And they say, yeah, that will make sense. And so my hope that things will improve is that we'll get to that stage as well with test data management, which is currently the thing that everybody hates. No one wants to talk about it. Tests are going all the way wrong because of it for various reasons. And I hope that we'll get there with test data. And I hope that we'll see that in the next five or six years, or at least in my lifetime. So I think things have changed. Things have changed for the better. I think that there's still a ways to go. The other change in me personally is that I've become a lot more cynical. <laughs> <laughs> I I believe people less when they tell me that things are done or what, that things work or that this is totally going to go into plan. I, I try and keep a smiley face about it, but my my doubt levels have increased a great deal. I, I think that's that's a level of realism that comes with experience. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it cynicism. I think it's it's been there, done that. I've heard it all before kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's the, you, you proved me wrong on this one and I promise I'll be pleased. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no doubt to me that the world of agile development has made the lives of testers much easier, much, much easier. Uh, it, it obviously adds more complexities as well. Yeah. Particularly around, around skills, not just technical skills, but also, as you say, the need to be able to be happy to approach someone, possibly someone higher up the chain and, and go to them and say, no, I want to put my foot down. There's this thing I really need to tell yeah. you, which can be challenging. One thing I found in, in talking to newcomers to the test industry is when they don't have this experience of the way things were before, that can actually be something of a pitfall. <laughs> Do you think there's something to be said for having worked through that adversity makes you stronger as a person and actually having not experienced that adversity is a downside? I think I, I don't know whether stronger as a person. I mean, my analogy for that is that I, I refuse to drive anywhere without a sat nav because I don't. I'm never going to have to navigate without a sat nav. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do appreciate that if I ever did have to do that, then I would entirely lack the skills. And I think it's interesting when I'm when I'm mentoring new testers and I'm trying to tell them why agile is good and why we do things like this. That I'm talking back to days that they know nothing about. They don't have that comparison, so they can't see why some of these things are relevant. On the other hand, my personal belief, and I am a bit of an Agile fanatic, my personal belief is that Agile just kind of makes sense. This mm. is a, a sensible way of doing things. We don't know a great deal, so we're going to do small experiments and see what happens, and then we'll see if that works. That's just a really logical way of working for me. So maybe maybe the disadvantage isn't that great. I think that what new testers gain a lot from is that a lot of the walls have already been broken down. Definitely not all of them, 
and there are various topics that I like to rant about on that if you catch me at the bar late at night. But many teams, so many teams have already had that one good example that you need of how it can work and that magic feeling that you get when things work and then the things that will have contributed to making that work, like having a good test on the team and having more automation at various levels and, and all of these kind of things. So there are still teams that haven't ever had that example, but there are a lot of resources out there and a lot of people you can talk to to find out how to be that example. So I think in a way it is, it is easier for them, but I feel like I have a deep-seated understanding of the Agile principles because I know what it's like to live without them. <laughs> Isn't that, isn't that the way that all old people, now I feel really old, isn't that the way that all old people, it was, you don't, you know nothing, Jon Snow, I don't know. Yeah, old people are always, it used to be better, whereas we're like, no, it used to be a that's lot, true. lot worse than this, calm down. That's, that is true, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk a bit more about some advice for newcomers to the testing industry after your next song. So what's song number two that you've got for us? My second song is Chop Suey by System of a Down. And I, I love this song. It was played at my wedding, seriously play it at my <laughs> funeral. I, I love the contrast. I mean, I love metal and I love rock. So you will notice over the choice of my songs that I, I like quite a variation of music. There's not a great deal that I don't like. Hmm. And what I love about System of a Down is the contrast they have. They have this incredibly loud, shouty, bashy stuff that I can't listen to just on its own for too long. And then they have these fantastic, thick, amazing harmonies stuff they sing about is often important and interesting they have a good way of having lyrics that mean things that aren't just in your face with what they mean um i've seen them live a couple of times as well they are absolutely phenomenal and uh and yeah chop suey is just for me one of their best songs So that was System of a Down with Chop Suey, and you heard just in that clip the the contrast that Alex was talking about between their different the different styles they have. So before that, we were talking about bringing newcomers into testing and how the world has changed. There's so much that testers can learn these days. Where do they even begin? I think that the, the thing that you need most as a new tester, this is the one, of, one of the things that we do in our company, the thing that you need most as a mentor to help mm. you sort through all of this stuff. Is this relevant? Should I take this at face value? Should I be questioning this? I mean, often the answer is to question, but if you just question everything, you will end up with a lot of questions. So it's nice to know, to, to have someone to guide you on the way. That's one of the things that we do here. And I think the other incredibly important thing is, is to find a community be that on Twitter, be it through conferences, there are so many options available to hear what other people are talking about, to learn from them, to talk to them in whatever format you like, or even to just discuss with your own colleagues about what they've said, compare it to your own experiences, and then of course start to contribute back to communities. Consuming is brilliant, but if you start to contribute back with your own ideas or your own experiences, then that's that's incredibly valuable as well. I mean, Yes, there are training courses that you can do, practical hands-on stuff. We do a lot of workshops with our testers as well. I think it's important to have a general path of trainings, workshops, what kind of a general direction are we going in? And then the rest of it is, is being able to talk to people about experiences. It's one of the frustrating things, I think, about our profession, that there isn't a, there isn't a tried and tested, this is the way that will definitely make you a tester. On the 
other hand, it's kind of nice to be able to find your own way, but, and this is where the mentor comes back into it, you do need someone who's like your Sherpa, someone who's guiding you and making sure that you don't fall off the mountain. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's a good analogy, actually, because there's a good part of it, of mentoring, is allowing your mentee the freedom to do what they want, but you need to do it within 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 limits and guiding them and making sure they're not going off on some crazy path that is going nowhere or again where you've experienced it before and you know nothing good comes of that but actually we mentioned at the top as well that you were involved with speakeasy so that's another example of of where you're helping to to bring new voices through yeah that is something that gives me a great deal of pleasure i I do it for the colleagues here i do it via speakeasy and, and to listen to people's stories and there's always the it almost always follows the same kind of i don't have anything to talk about and then you know, and then I help them to find their story and they're like, oh yeah, I, I could talk about that. There's no way that I can talk about this for 45 minutes. And then of course it gets to the, oh my goodness, how am I going to get all of this into 45 minutes? <laughs> I mean, I love talking, like I said, and I really like being on the stage and talking to people, but I get a great deal of joy when I see someone that I've helped being up there and doing that. That's just, that's fabulous. And so if people can learn from the experience I have, I, I love to share that. So that's, mm. speakeasy is a fantastic way of doing that. Yeah, so much of agile development full stop it's about shared understanding and about sharing experiences and adding together and being the sum of all that knowledge that the team has built up over the years so yeah getting new people into that environment can only be a good thing we're going to move on a bit to talk about your current role but first of all it's time to hear song number three and what's that going to be song three is king of the corner by coco and the butterfields uh this is a a bit of a move back towards the folk but it's not folk rock it's folk hip-hop and I discovered this band at Cambridge Folk Festival entirely by accident. I was wandering around with said best friend from before. <laughs> and we, we actually wanted to go to one of the main stages, but we ended up in the club tent and they came on and they just blew us away. They are energetic, alive, they're brilliant. On CD, they're amazing as well. And King of the Corner is my... I sometimes have songs that I put on if I need a little bit of a, a, little bit of a pick-me-up. Like, you can do this, you can manage this you're you know you're dousing right now but you've managed these kind of things before and, and you will overcome this and and king of the corner is is for me a little bit of a okay i'm gonna get up and fight again that's my song So that was King of the Corner by Coco and the Butterfields, a song that was completely new to me when Alex suggested it, but that I've been listening to almost non-stop since Alex put the song forward, uh, which is a perfect example of what I hope this podcast can do for people, is introduce them to some songs that make them go, ooh, ooh that's a bit good. <laughs> <laughs> so from King of the Corner, let's move on to Alex's current role, which is Head of the Quality. <laughs> what's, what's, what's life like for a Head of Quality? Is it all hands-off or do you still get to be hands-on sometimes? it's becoming more hands-off, uh, which I say with a, a bit of a sad face because I do like I do like doing the hands-on stuff. But the good thing is I can, if time allows, ha-ha, that is my favourite joke in software. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can choose. I'm the, I'm the master of my own destiny. I, I can choose to go and pair with people and help people, and I, I do that as much as I possibly can. On the other hand, the, this whole idea of helping people and, and coaching them and, and being there for them and sharing my experience with them, that is something that I get to do in this role so, so much more. And, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say this on a podcast. But I, I, I call I call my team my, my, my ducklings. Like, I love them to bits. And, and I, I am their mother duck. And 
I hope this is coming across in the right way. But but I really, really love that I get to be involved in their development as, as testers and in how they're going into projects and how they're dealing with customers. That is hands-on stuff for me as well. Um, I, I really love that part of my job. What I do a lot of is, yeah, co- coaching, encouraging, motivating people, and then looking out for their training and their development, both in an individual way and also in a strategic way for the company. So it all comes down to the, I get to help people, and whether it's helping them by finding a bug that otherwise would have upset them if they delivered it, or if it's helping them by supporting them to solve the problem that they're having with the developer who won't talk to them. It's all to do with testing, and it's all to do with quality, and it's all to do with people, so that makes Mm, sense. Yeah. And what it comes down to is, I guess, there's only so many hours in the day, you can't do everything, and having having a team there that is capable of doing those things for you is is awesome. But as, as someone who was there on the coalface doing testing herself, what's it been like to, to actually step away from it and have to hand over control and, and like day-to-day decision-making to other people? Was that a difficult process for you? Funnily enough, except for when it's like really, really exciting. Like my hands, oh, okay, my hands do itch a little bit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm, I think I'm the last, I hope at least, my, my perception of myself is that I am the last person in the world to micromanage. So I much prefer to give people an aim, give them a guideline, give them some, okay, this is the framework for how we're doing, and then say, go, and, and come to me and talk to me if you have problems, but go and find it out and, and do these things. So that that fits well with being able to take uh, to take a bit of a step back. And also, I get to live rather vicariously through them, through the whole through coaching and talking to them. So I'm, I think where I don't micromanage I can imagine that for some communication types, they're like, oh, Alex is asking again how I'm doing. Like, seriously, I'm still fine. Um, I, <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't need to know about every single activity that they're doing, but I usually want to know, are they managing the pay? Are they, do they have problems? Do they need support? Do they want to talk over anything? That's probably where I have the most difficulty letting go, and then we're back at the topic of ducklings. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, and, and sometimes I say, you know, let me look at over this with you or let me sit next to you for a while. And, and, and they do. Mm. <laughs> nice. Are they quite good at coming to you if, if they have problems? Because the, the, the biggest issue I found when I've had people under me is the people who don't want to come and talk to you are often the ones that need, that need the help the most. They, they're either afraid of coming to talk to you or they're afraid of, of showing themselves as, as not knowing something. Have you ever had to deal with that situation? I'd, I'd say, of course, again, it's self-perception, right? I'd say that mm. generally everyone, everyone really knows that they can come to me. And I've, I've kind of half ritualized it that we have a meeting, a one-on-one meeting every month, and then we can talk about anything, right? It can be the house that they're building or problems they're having in the project. And having that ritual often means that we don't need the ritual because the the trust is there for them to come and talk to me anyway. Mm. There have been some situations where it hasn't worked, and I want to learn from those. I want to make sure that it does. But then I think there will always be people who, who don't want to, who don't want to seem vulnerable. I try and show my vulnerability wherever I can. If I don't know something, I say it. If I'm not sure about what a decision should be, but I think it should go in this direction, then then I explain why I'm doing it. And I just try and be as, as human as I possibly can in those kind of situations and, and hope that that rubs off, which it seems to most of the time, but I wouldn't be able to write down the equation of how to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Having an awareness that those situations need some thought is is it's half the puzzle if you're if you're having yeah. those thoughts then then you're doing something right yeah i tend to be a bit of an empath as well so if, if people are feeling a bit off i can usually recognize that quite quickly and then i don't mind saying hey you look a bit down today you need to talk so i, I look after people <laughs> well one of the things that i'm going to ask you to talk about is song number four yeah song number four is the circle game by Joni mitchell 
And this is another one that goes way, way back. So this is a song that was important to my parents. It was something that they listened to. Uh, I mean, Joni Mitchell's not exactly the newest singer. <laughs> so that comes from their time. And on my 19th birthday, they, they played it to me. I, I think that was the first time that I'd ever heard it. And I said, you know, this is this has been for us, like watching you grow up. And, and I listened to it and it was it was lovely. And I found later when I was about, I think, 25 and listening to it. And um, the last verse is about, you know, the dreams that you had didn't exactly turn out the way you planned they would, but it's going to be okay. There's going to be new ones and, and better ones. And that, that was really helpful at the time. It turned out to be true. And every time I go, oh, goodness, where am I right now? Then I remember that that's, uh, that that's something that I've already gone through. And I keep, I, I'm a bit of a songwriter as well. So I, I keep wanting to write a last verse that says, you know what, it, all, it does all turn out okay. Um, and I've never quite got around to it. And maybe I will. So this is a, this is from my parents. This is, about life, her lyrics are beautiful, her, the song is absolutely wonderful and it just, it would have to come with me. And the seasons, they go round and round And the pains of ponies go up and down We're captive on a carousel ride. We can't return, we can only look behind That was The Circle Game by Joni Mitchell and a real example, as Alex said, of a song which, where its meaning shifts over the years as you see different perspectives. But speaking of uh, the dishing out of advice, now that you've been able to move hands off into a, a head of quality role, um, what, even, what even is quality? Some people see quality as being something of a dirty word, particularly if you think of quality assurance. QA is obviously a, a much maligned term. Should testers be the only ones who are worried about quality or should it be everyone's concern? I think it should be everyone's concern. And I, the new phrase that I've come up with, hopefully you heard it here first, is that we need to be chameleons, not chimeras on agile teams. Actually, chimeras are kind of horrible monsters, but they're fixed, right? They're like a Swiss army knife. They can do what they can do and they can't do anything else. And I, I really dislike the idea on agile. I know that we're trying to get away from silos, but I, I disagree with the idea that that means that everybody has to be able to do everything in the same level of detail and specialization as everybody else. First of all, I disagree with it. And second of all, I just don't see it happening. So we, we need testers in the team because people can only have one focus. And if I'm focusing on how to make something work, I'm not currently focusing on whether it's the right thing or whether it doesn't work. And we need those specializations. And how that specialization can look can be very different in different teams, which is where this idea of a chameleon comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Am I, in, does this team need me to be an enabler? Do they need me to be a champion? Do they need me to be hands-on? Do they need me to be kind of just asking the right questions at the right time? And I think that's one of the fascinating things about our role because it is so variable. And the more we learn, the more personas, if you like, we can take on in those teams. So, yes, everyone is responsible. But I also think that we really need a tester role on the team, that we don't need to merge the roles, but we maybe need to blur the lines. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'd even like to get away from the idea of whole team quality. And I want to get towards whole team value. One of my other favorite things to rant about is how testers are still sometimes seen as second class citizens versus developers, which is kind of ironic that developers are the cool people, right? Um, <laughs> I have a lot of developer friends. It's all good. I married one. Um, but yeah, I want us to get much more to the idea that we as a team are delivering value and how that looks in our team constellation can be different depending on how we need to do that and the constraints or the opportunities that we have. And I think that the most important point is that we always all have something to learn and that diversity in the roles is going to help that a lot. So 
yes, we're all responsible, but no, it's not just as easy as saying mm. you are responsible for A, B, and C, or everyone is responsible for A, B, and C. I want us to be more more flexible, and and yeah, chameleons, not chimeras. <laughs> That's great advice. And it's been great talking to you, Alex. It leaves us with just one more song for you to pick. I would say this song needs no introduction, but I'm going to ask you to give it one anyway. The, my final song is Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. It's, it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure. I, as a teenager, I was very, very much into the rock and the folk rock and everything. And of course, liking something like Britney Spears would be a definite no. And as I have matured, uh, I have accepted that there is a side of me that likes that kind of music too. <laughs> and this, this is just a classic. I mean, how seriously, how can you not like it? Um, I play a meme version of this on acoustic guitar. Uh, <laughs> if it comes on, I'll be on the dance floor. I think I may have even done karaoke to it at some kind of agile conference. It's a good song. I do have a special place in my heart for Britney, so why not? Britney Spears with Baby One More Time, a song which Alex says, if you've got an acoustic guitar or a microphone and you're near her, she'll do it. <laughs> so if, you, if, you're crossing paths with, <laughs> if you're crossing paths with Alex in the near future at a conference, uh, make sure the guitar is the first thing you pack because you might get a version. One last piece of business that I didn't mention during the introductory episode is that on this desert island with your five songs, I'm also allowing our castaways to take one book with them. It might be a testing related book if they want to keep their testing skills fresh, or it might just be a particular piece of fiction or non-fiction that they enjoy reading. So, Alex, what book is going to accompany you on your trip? The book that I would take with me, it's actually a trilogy, which is kind of cheating, but let's go with it anyway. It is The Elenium by David Eddings. And again, it's this is the first fantasy book that I read. I got into this when I was about 13. And... It's a trilogy that I can reread and reread. Even though I need, now even find it a little bit too tropey. I, you know, I've, I've read enough fantasy books to know that it's maybe not the best written one, but the characters in it, if I read it, I feel like I'm going home. And I, I don't care that I know practically every sentence and I know I can read everything in it. I, I can reread it as often as I like and it's, it transports me back to the first time that I ever discovered fantasy. And, uh, and it is well written. I, I should give it a bit more credit than I, than it maybe just sounded like I, uh, I did and yeah I love reading it and when I need some comfort then I go back to that that's the Elenium series by David Eddings the first book or collection of books onto the the bookshelf on our desert island and all that remains to say is thank you very much Alex thank you a heap for being guest number one on Tessa's Island Discs I have been very honoured <laughs> if people should want to hear more if they're inspired to hear more about what you've been talking about what are the best ways they can get in touch with you Alex uh, well I'm pretty active on Twitter so uh, my Twitter handle is Alex underscore Schlitz, S-C-H-L. Um, you can find me there. My work email address is alexander.schlagerbeck at bradex.de. And I'm at, I'm at a terrifying amount of events this year. I, I may have slightly overbooked myself. So I'm going to, let me see, I think I wrote this down because it was, it was quite a lot. I'm going to be at Tespash Munich. Then I'm at the Agile Automation Days Poland, where I'm keynoting, which is very exciting. I'm going to be at EclipseCon Europe and the Project Quality Day. I will be at Agile Testing Days and I will be at Eurostar. And seriously, if if you're not at one of those things, what are your plans? For the <laughs> so <laughs> you should run into me. Yeah, come and find me and chat to me. I, I like talking. I may have mentioned that. 
It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Alex, for coming on and talking to us today. Uh, in terms of the show, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our Twitter account is at Testers Island. And all of our episodes and everything to do with us, including links to our Spotify playlist, links to the form if you want to sign up to be a guest, can be found at www.testersislanddiscs.com, which will send you through to the right place on the Ministry of Testing dojo where that all lives. Thanks, Ministry of Testing. Thanks for removing all those problems for me, <laughs> looking after all of that. So thank you very much. One final time, Alex, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And I'll speak to you all again soon. Bye-bye. Testers Island Discs is brought to you in association with the Ministry of Testing. Written and produced by Neil Studd. Theme music by Tony Lovich. Follow us on Twitter at Testers Island 